others that have not heard this. And God has placed you as uh, you in the lives of individuals who need to hear this today. And perhaps, though, this message is for you. And uh, so I am going to deliver it that way here today. And so uh, we are talking on this subject of being born again. Really, we uh, made an entrance into this conversation last week, last Sunday, I uh, talked about uh, what Jesus had to say to Nicodemus when Nicodemus asked him that question in John chapter 3 about what must I do to inherit eternal life. He was wanting to know what it, what, what it would take to, uh, to see the kingdom of God. And Jesus' response, we see it in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus told him, he said, except a man... Be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, that born again experience is not of this natural birth. That uh, That is the first birth, but there is a spiritual uh, birth that needs to take place. And... Uh, and we last week really focused on what sin and the effect of what sin did to us is it killed our spirit or it, uh, it separated our spirit. And so a spirit must be born again. And so uh, this is really what Jesus is talking about. We see this salvation message, this um, being this born again experience explained again when we have people. Who are asking, what do we need to do? They ask that question. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, is where we get a crowd that is gathered in Jerusalem. And they're asking the question after Peter had preached a sermon to them about Jesus and how Jesus was the Messiah, about how he was the one that came to take away the sins of the world. And these people who he was preaching to were the very ones who had just crucified Jesus. And so after they heard that message, they were pricked in their hearts, it says. Actually, if we can go back to verse 37, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What is it that we need to do? We just killed the one who came to save us. What do we need to do? And thankfully, Peter had a response for them because Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the born again experience. That is that new birth experience. Now, there's a whole life that comes after that, that uh, we live a new life, but that new birth takes place through repentance, through baptism in the name of Jesus, and through receiving that wonderful gift that is the Spirit of God that will dwell inside of us. But I want to just focus in here this morning on this subject of repentance. It's in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where we again see Peter speaking here. I'm going to read this in New Living Translation, but he tells the the people that are there, he says, Now repent 
of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. That's, it's a necessary, uh, a necessary uh, part of what we must do in order to have our sins wiped away. This repentance, uh, the step of repentance is, is uh, one that is crucial in seeing uh, salvation come to ourselves. And now, I never want to get this backwards about, about uh, was it God that came to get me and, and save me or did I find God? Did I, did I find my way to God and, and I am the one who, uh, who came and, and, and uh, found my, the pathway to salvation? I, I don't believe that we are the ones that find our way to God, that God is the one that came searching for us. God came to us. He came and he's drawing us. And yes, there are, you, you can, you can see the, the steps along the way, perhaps in your own journey about things that, that you did. Maybe it was a, uh, a time in your life where you were searching for, um, searching for meaning or just searching for an answer to, uh, things that were taking place in your life and you came into, a uh, an encounter with God and God, uh, changed your life in that moment. And, but yet God was drawing you and God was, he's drawing us. And as he draws us, there is, there comes a point where, where we come face to face with, with who we are and who God is, is wanting us to become. And as he's drawing us, there, there are steps, there are things that, that he's, he's working on us and our spirit to, to do. And one of those is when we see us in our sin, when we see us in our sinful state, there comes a point where we uh, must repent of our sin. And now that repentance, I'm uh, just, just going to give a little repentance 101. Here last week we we focused in on sin and how sin causes a disruption in our relationship with God and not just our relationship with God but it, sin can between can be between us and the community or the people around us we see that plenty of times in Scripture where it's talking about sin not not just against God but sin against our brother or our sister sin against the people around us and so it can cause it it. it causes fractures in the relationships between us and God or between us and the community. But And so re- repentance is this e- attempt to turn back to God and to bridge that disruption in the relationship. Repentance is this attempt to say, I, I see the fractures that are here and let me turn back to, to you and maybe uh, maybe you say, well, I, I've never had a relationship with God or I've, you know, what am I turning back to? But yet the, the, the state of man from the beginning was always one that was in perfect relationship with God. And so turning back to God to repent is, is always going back to really that one perfect relationship, how God always intended it to be between him and mankind. That's 
what repentance is all about. It's this attempt to come back and to bridge this disruption in the relationship that sin has caused. We see that repentance, it is an act of acknowledging our past wrongdoing. It's expressing regret or contrition. It's, it's, it's feeling sorry about the things that we've done in our past. Maybe even our recent past. It's, it's this act of, of expressing that to God. It's, it's an act of committing to right behavior in obedience to God. It's a commitment that we make. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just acknowledging our past and saying sorry for our past, but it's committing to right behavior from this day forward in obedience to the way that God uh, has, has set out for us to live. Repentance is a transformative process. What is that? It's transformative. There's transformation that takes place in us. We become changed because of repentance. We don't look the same that we, the same way that we used to look. We, uh, we, we don't have the same desires that we used to have, or at least, uh, we, we shun those desires. We turn away from them. Uh, it's a transformative process that involves turning away from sin or transgression and turning back to God. A transformation that takes place. Now underlying all of this is this suggestion that, um, what repentance suggests is that sin is an act or an attitude that can be corrected. There's, it can be corrected by us making some changes in our life and by us making those changes and repenting and, uh, that, that we can course correct this, uh, uh, this break, this fissure, these, these things that have taken place because of the sin that was in our life. And that's, that is what repentance really is built on is the fact that there is a new path and there is a correction that can take place. We see the grace of God. Now, that can only truly be complete when you have baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That is in conjunction with the repentance. Repentance truly can, can only go so far in, uh, in repairing our, our sinful state and the sinful, uh, things that, uh, that we have done that, that break in the relationship between us and God. That repentance, it go, it, it goes a long way in repairing that, but to completely complete that bridge you need baptism because the baptism is is putting us under the 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 blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross and it's the washing away of all of those sins that could only be done because of what Jesus did and it seems like such a superficial thing to do is just going under the water and you mean that's going to gain me Eternal life. It is, but it's not because 
We have some special water that we put in here. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross and our obedience to him to say, God, here I am dying to my old self and coming out a new person. We're going to focus in on baptism next week. But repentance is is that first step in this to say, for my for me, I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I have sin in my life and in, and as a sinner, I need to make some changes and I need to, uh, to acknowledge my past. I need to acknowledge, uh, who I, who I was and, and, and I'm sorry for that. I regret the things in my past and I'm going to commit myself to living a new, a new way. I'm going to commit myself to this new life that God has called me to. I'm going to commit myself to the transformation process. And it's a process. It's a process. We're okay with the process. And that's why repentance is not just a one-time thing. Where baptism, once you're baptized, you have the blood of Jesus that's been applied to your life. That bridge has been completed. That bridge between your past and your, your, your broken relationship with God, it's been completed at the one time when you've been baptized in Jesus name that's uh, that completed that bridge and now we come to repentance and you can continue to cross that bridge each time that you make a mistake you come in repentance and say God I am sorry for the things that I've done God I apply I reapply God the the blood that was uh, that came over me when I was baptized let's let's reapply that to my life so that I can uh, come back in the right relationship with you. Repentance. If we look at this, we, we see it all throughout Scripture. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see um, the other components of this new birth uh, really just uh, just coming to us in, in the New Testament church age. But uh, we see repentance throughout Scripture. And we can focus in on, uh, I have the Hebrew here, because uh, that is the, the language of the Old Testament that they were writing in. And we see two words in the Hebrew language that were translated into repent or repentance. The first word is this word sub. And that word um, in, in the Hebrew, it means to turn away from the wrong path and to turn back. To God. The very the, the literal definition of this, because it, it can be used outside of just uh, the context of, of a person turning away from God or turning away from their path and back to God. This this word, this Hebrew word, um, can be used uh, outside of just that um, that thought. And it, it literally means a linear motion. It means one, uh, a straight path, a linear motion, a very straight path that goes back to a point previously departed. It means a pivot move for change in direction. It's making a pivot to change your direction. That word, that Hebrew word, it, it means you're going this way and then you pivot and you go, you start going the opposite way. 
It means that you were going this way and now in a linear motion you say I've got to get back to where I started from. And I am going to begin to head back to that place because that is the place where God has intended for me to be all along. And I got off the path but I need to get back to the place that God meant for me to be at. And so I'm not going to uh, go you know, this way and that way and search for, for, for all these things. No, I'm going to take God's path, which is to just simply come to him and ask for forgiveness and ask uh, and commit to him and say, God, I am getting back. I'm going to stop the things that I'm doing that have gotten me this far away from you. And I'm going to commit myself in obedience to you. That's what repentance is. There's, I said there are two words in the Hebrew language. The second one, this word Nahum. And Nahum is, uh, is this, uh, feeling sorrow or feeling remorse. You have a, a sorrow, uh, and, and, a, and a remorse, this contrition that you may, uh, that you will experience in this act of repentance. That it's, it's not something that is just intellectual. But there's a, an emotional component to this, that emotionally you, you feel sorry for the things that you've done. You're remorseful for what you have done. In the Greek, we see, we see one word that is uh, translated into this word repentance, and it's this word metaneo. And metaneo uh, means to change one's mind. It's a process in which the individual recipient uh, or, or I'm sorry, the, the individual reorients the mind and their will away from sin and toward God. It's, it's reorienting myself to away from the, the path that I, uh, is the easy path and the path of sin and it's going toward God. Now I want to just see, as I, as I mentioned, we see repentance throughout scripture and we could pull from so many examples of, of people who are repentant and we even, we even see, I, I love the book of Psalms for this reason, uh, that, that we get to see the experience and, and the, the thoughts that are going on in the psalmist's mind, uh, at, at different times in their life. And there's a group of Psalms that are, uh, really scattered throughout, uh, throughout that book of, uh, Psalms, but, uh, there's, there's a group that, uh, they are, uh, known as the penitential psalms, or these psalms of penance or repentance. These psalms of repentance. And as I was reading through these song, songs of repentance, these really the, the prayers. The prayers, David would sing them. He, would, he, he felt them in, in, his, in his spirit. He was writing them from experience. This was... This was not just something that was looking at somebody else and, and saying, God, you know, forgive them for what they've done. No, he, he's saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, I, I messed up. I made mistakes. God, I need forgiveness. I need to come back to you. And as I begin to read through these, there was just uh, something that just emotionally came over me to just imagining him 
uh, just feeling the weight of his sin, feeling the weight of his mistakes. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I'm sure you have. When you made a mistake and you say, God, here I am, God, and I just need forgiveness. I'm, I'm sorry for what I've done. I need to get back to you. I need to get back to you. Psalm chapter 38 is one of these. And we could pull those scriptures up. We, we could go through this whole psalm. For the sake of time, we're just going to pull a few scriptures. Verse 1, it says, O oh Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or your discipline or, or discipline me in your rage. God, don't. Don't take your anger out on me. I, I'm, I, here I am and I, and I recognize that I've, I've messed up. And I recognize that and I made some mistakes. And I'm just asking you, I'm pleading with you, God. Don't, don't rebuke me in, in your anger because I know that, that if you wanted to, God, then, then you could really uh, mess some things up in my life. He's realizing and he's, he's saying, God, I, I know just how powerful you are. And if you wanted to, this mistake could cost me everything. If you wanted to, God, this thing that I did, it could, it can ruin my entire life. So I'm asking you, God, don't take out your full anger on me. Don't discipline me. And, and, and you can, you can just feel this in him as he's, he's, he's saying, God, I, I recognize how bad my sin is. I recognize how uh, how hurtful I was to others. God, I'm just asking you to, to, you to have some grace and mercy on me. He begins to explain this, what he is feeling in this, in the psalm. We go down to verse 4. It says, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden that's too heavy to bear. And I, I'm carrying this around and... And it's not just about how I make you feel when you see me walking away from, from the, the relationship that I had with you. But, but God, I, it's, it's affecting me as well. You see the effect that it's having here on David as, as he's saying it's overwhelming me. It's, it's too heavy for me to bear. I, here I am and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crushing uh, you know, every step that I take. And, and he says in verse 8, he says, I'm exhausted. I'm completely crushed. My groans, they come from an anguished heart. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have. Where it just you, you feel the weight of, of your mistakes and, and it's saying, here I am, I feel so low. But the great thing is that God, he doesn't intend for you to walk around completely exhausted and crushed. God, he never intended for you to feel that overwhelming uh, sense of guilt and for you to just stay there in it. That God, he is merciful. Even the old the, the God of the Old Testament that you see him and it's like, what well, you know, that God, he just kept on, you know, being vengeful time after time. And where's the mercy? God was still merciful, even to the even to David, the psalmist, everyone in the Old Testament. God is a merciful God. And when you feel that guilt and when you feel that shame and when you feel that, don't just hide in a hole and just stay there in it. Don't just stay in your grief. Don't just stay completely crushed and exhausted and walk away. Because the enemy would love nothing more 
than to just keep you in that place and to say, see how many mistakes you've made? See how, uh, see how low you are? You're never going to be able to climb out of this. You're never going to be able to, to, to uh, repair these things, that, these mistakes that you've made. You're never going to be good enough. Now, God has, he has made it possible for us to come to him. He says in verse 18, he says, but I confess my sins. I'm deeply sorry for what I've done. We see David here just coming to God and confessing his sins to him. He's he's sorrowful for the things that he's done. We see that God's mercy, it comes to him. And in verse, uh, in chapter 51 is is probably one of the most powerful uh, psalms of penitence. He's, He's... chapter i've read so many times and when you when you're in a place when you're just needing forgiveness from god for the things that you've done i just have a couple of scriptures on there but we're just going to read through this whole chapter psalm chapter 51 i'll just in fact i'll give just a little context because where we don't we don't get all the context for all the psalms this one this one we do know when it was written just because of some of the things that David is saying within that psalm. And this comes at a time when, when probably David's gravest mistake in his life. He's the king. He's been the king over Israel. He's, uh, he's a man after God's own heart. He is um, serving God well. He's the one that's been expanding the kingdom of Israel. They've, they've been going out to war. And yeah, at this time now... In, He's there and it says, um, it says in, in scripture that it was the time for the kings to go to war. But David, he just sent his armies out and he didn't go to war. Instead, he stayed there in, the, in his palace. And as all of his soldiers were out and his army was out, David looked out uh, from, his, uh, from his window and he saw on the rooftop of, uh, of one of the neighboring houses a beautiful woman that was bathing there and uh, lusting after her, he called for her to come unto him, and and she, being a married woman, in fact, a married woman of one of uh, his his soldiers that was out at war, uh, he, he slept with her, and she became with child. He ends up trying to cover all this up, and uh, invites uh, her husband home to try to make it look as if it was it was his son. When that doesn't work, he just goes and he says, "I'll just let's put this guy on the front lines. Let's have him." be killed. And so uh, they do that. Uh, her, her husband is killed in battle. And now we see David there, uh, kind of still, I'm sure, wrestling with all these things that have happened. And the, the prophet Nathan comes to David and he, he tells him the, the, that God is going to uh, take care of, of, of this, that, that child that she is, uh, she is about to have is, is not going to survive. And that's and that he needs to repent and that he needs to find a place of forgiveness. And so that's what this psalm is written from. It's from that point in David's life when he has made this mistake to not only follow the lust that, that drove him to that, that place of fornication, but also became really a murderous man, though he didn't, he didn't kill the man himself. He ordered uh, for him to be killed. And so let's just, let's just read 
this psalm here as David begins to write. It says, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me and clean me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Say, I can't do this myself. God, I need you to do it. God, I recognize my rebellion. God, what I'm talking about with with repentance, it's a recognition of what we've done. It's it's, it's, uh, acknowledging that. He says, I recognize, God, my rebellion. I rebelled against you. I knew it was wrong for me to do, and yet I still did it. I recognize it. it. It haunts me day and night. I feel so lost. I feel like I am undeserving of it, all these things that I have. And, and, and though he may be, and may be living there in a palace, I'm sure that he was really trapped in a cage in those days and nights as he has this, this sin that's, that's weighing him down. And he, he has these things that he's done that have, and he, he's, now he's pouring out his heart to God. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. It says, God, you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. He's already been told what the judgment's going to be. This child is, is not going to survive, uh, survive his birth. And, and, and he was here, and he says, God, I, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honest, honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. We talked about that being born into sin last week, about how we are sinners. Every one of us, when we come into this world, we are born into sin. But now he's saying, here I am. And God, even though I was born into sin, God, you have called me to be in, in relationship with you. And so now purify me from my sins. God, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. God, wash me. I, I can't do this myself. I need you and you alone to have mercy and grace on me. God, I need, here I am. I'm, I'm coming to you as a sinner. I'm coming to you in all of my failures and, and I'm at the lowest point in my life. And God, I need you to wash me clean. God, give me back my joy. You have broken me. Yet now let me rejoice. He says, don't keep looking at my sins. God, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me, God, a clean heart. Uh, renew a loyal spirit within me. See, he's, he's, he's saying this not just about his past. He's not saying, God, just forgive me on my past so that I can go and repeat that. No, he says, put in me a clean heart and a loyal spirit. A loyal spirit. A, a spirit that says, God, I will be obedient to you. I'm not going to go down this same path again. God, I'm going to be loyal to you. And then verse 10, just really, it just, just hit me hard this week. It says, do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Mm. How many times have you walked into a service when you are less than your best? And you've come into a service and you're here and you feel unworthy. 
You feel as if you've made too many mistakes. You feel as if God doesn't want to hear anything that you would say when you open up your mouth. And that's, I'm sure, how David felt. But there was something that rose up inside of him that said, I know what it was like to be in the presence of God. I know what it's like to be there and have your spirit encamping around me. And God, I can't take it to be away from that for the rest of my life. God, I know that I'm undeserving of it. But God, don't take your spirit from me. God, don't take your spirit from me. God, I need to be in your presence. God, I must be in your presence. God, please, if there's anything, God, don't take your presence from me. Come on, and when that kind of a a spirit gets inside of you, when you feel that deep within yourself to say, God, I need you more than anything in this world. Come on, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate us from the grace of God. And he will forgive our sins. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. He's coming in this place and just saying God I must get back in your presence God I need this 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 forgiveness of my sins God cast me not away from your presence Come on if there's somebody that gets that within themselves and you don't let the enemy continue to speak those words to you that says you're not worthy you can't do anything don't well you can't go up to an altar right now and pray to God he doesn't want to hear anything that you have to say no God would love nothing more than for you to come to him in a spirit that David came to him in this psalm right here and to say God forgive me God I'm sorry God I just want to be back in your presence there's nothing that God wants more than to accept you back into his presence. It tells us. It tells us that the, the angels rejoice. Every. Come on. Heaven is rejoicing. At one sinner who repents. That when one sinner comes to a place of repentance, it says that all of heaven begins to just shout out loud and say, come on, they begin to have a party and say, look at this one right here who's coming back into the presence of God. Look at this one right here who is sorry for their sins and they're turning their lives around to get back in my presence. God loves nothing more than somebody who would repent. God loves nothing more than somebody who has the heart of David who says, I just need your presence, God. God, I need your presence and I recognize that I can't just march in there in all of my sin and just stand upright in this messed up person that I am. God, I need to come with my head bowed low. God, and my knees bowed down and to ask for forgiveness and to say, God, I recognize that I'm not perfect, but Lord, I want, Lord, for you to change me and I want you to transform me. And that's what God is seeking for. He's seeking for somebody who would come to him and say, God, here I am. Move me or uh, transform me into your image. Transform me, oh God. Cast me not away from your presence. Amen. Could we just lift up our hands in this place right now? Amen. Just lift up your hands and just pray a prayer right now in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us today. God, help us today, Lord, if there's anybody in this place right now. God, let they, God, let they come to you, Lord, in a place of, of contrition. God, they come to you recognizing, God, that we are sinners, God, but, but we're not just here in the, the hands of an angry God. I'm in here, God, in the hands of a merciful God. I'm here in the hands, Lord, of a God who he wants to bring us back into his presence. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just release repentance in this place. Help us right now in Jesus' name, Lord, to come. Lord, to a place, Lord, of of, of honesty with ourselves, of who we are. God, so that we can come back into your presence today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Notice David recognized that in his sinful state that he couldn't just stay that way and continue to feel the presence of God. He couldn't just stay that way and continue to go into that temple, into the holy place. No, he needed to come to a place of forgiveness. He needed to come to a place of repentance. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus.